Hello all, we are recording inside the Cohab Podcast Studio space under the Texas Street Bridge by the Red River in downtown Shreveport, Louisiana, and this is the 3180 Podcast. I am your host, Josh Clayton. Thomas Young is in the studio with me handling our sound, and we are trying to determine through conversations with folks in this area what's going on in the 318. What is Shreveport's identity? We are poised to make this town the town that we want it to be. It's time for Shreveport to make a 180. So every Thursday, we're here at Cohab, under the bridge, talking to different folks around town who are doing just that. Welcome to the 3180 Podcast. Welcome to episode one of the 3180 Podcast. Our very first guest is Chase Boydham. Chase started in the bar business when he was 19 years old before he was even legally allowed to buy a drink. He'll tell us about that. He'll tell us about the restaurants and bars he's been involved with over the years. And he is currently the proprietor and head mixologist at Fatty Arbuckles in the Red River District under the bridge. Pay special close attention to uh, how he makes his own ice here in the Cohab Kitchen and then takes a saw and chops it into blocks for his, his signature cocktails. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to Chase Boydham. Hello, Chase Boydham. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Josh. How's it going? Going great, man. Tell our audience about who you are and what you're up to here in Shreveport right now. I, my name is Chase Boydham. I, uh, I own Fatty Arbuckles. I've been in the bar and restaurant business for the, uh, about 13 years now. Um, Did you grow up here in Shreveport? I did. Yeah, grew up in Shreveport, went to Captain Shreve, right. uh, went to LSUS, and um, currently working on another bar here, but I've had eight bars and one restaurant stir, which oh, yeah. where we met. We met. Um, it's a cool spot. Yeah, it was. It's right in a heck of a location, too, right there on Kings and Cresswell. Yeah. Um, and uh, now mainly focusing on just the bar business. Okay. What other bars have you been involved with in Oh, gosh. I helped with, uh, um, I was involved in the first year in Fat Cats. I had a place called 211 Martini Lounge, which was downtown 211, Texas. The Boot, which was also 211, Texas. A place called City Bar. I owned Bears for two years. Uh, Of course, Fatty Arbuckles. Um, I'm missing something. Oh, Aura downtown. And then I did Stir, which was the restaurant over and owned Columbia Cafe for a few months before I changed it to Stir. Um, it's been kind of a wild ride. How's Fatty's doing? It's doing great. You're, you're in the Red River District? Yeah, we are. Um, you know, we've been around so long uh, and we've got really devout, um, kind of cult like uh, following of regulars, but, and then we're really close to the casino, so we get a lot of out of town folks and that sort of thing. But, uh, um, about five years ago, a little longer, we switched the concept to whiskey bar and started doing some kind of unique cocktails and it just took off. It's going great. In fact, the place that I'm working on opening now is actually taking that whole cocktail um, experience to another level. Cool. Yeah. So, Can you say where that's going to be located? I shouldn't yet because okay. I haven't 100% eked the deal, but... Uh, I gotcha. um, uh, I'm pretty excited about the, the possibilities. We do a lot of uh, catering, and it's been going really well. Just we make people hire us just to make old fashions for them. So I, I really look forward to maybe doing something else. But uh, I had one of those at the Golden Fork last year. They you were yeah. at the kitchen and bath cottage mixing up some cocktails. Absolutely. So I did I did that. Clark's Jewelers at one point hired us to do some old fashions. Uh, 
we did a deal with Blake Jackson over on yeah. Line Avenue and uh, did a really awesome whiskey tasting. He paired the food and it, it, it just went fantastic. What so, was that? Um, he, he has a little space next to Collinham Space, uh, right next to Whisk. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's about as big as this room. It's, okay. It's, so yeah, it's yeah. maybe a couple hundred square feet. But well, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I, I like and, and Blake's doing some stuff over at um, over at uh, Bistro by Rones now. Yeah, he's working on their menu and yeah, he's he's trying to dominate that little area over there. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I like it too. I actually went and tried some of his menu over there. I thought it was great. Um, love Blake. I mean, he at one time was doing prepped up meals. Yeah, or, or something like that. Some sort of prep meal. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, and he had the co-ed kitchen, and we worked together for a short period of time. I do all my ice, so I, I do. I have like a high-end ice uh, cocktail ice. And you got the big, big, the big balls, big, big cubes. <laughs> so we we start off, and it's called a, a Kleinbell ice machine. We make these four foot by two foot by three foot blocks of ice that we literally cut up with a chainsaw and a and a bone saw, like a a meat saw, um, and. Uh, he let us work with him over in the kitchen, which was like beyond nice of him. I mean, we were begging to try to find some place to do this. At one point, I was thinking about doing my garage. I look around my garage. I'm like, this is not meant for food. Yeah, I just yeah, didn't yeah. even try to attempt it. And so, luckily, Jim and and um, and Blake got us in a room, or Jim really got Blake and I in the room, and uh, we talked it out. He's like, man, this is so cool. And um, and then we did that whiskey tasting together, which just went amazing way better than I thought it was uh, we we had like 75 tickets we sold 72 that's awesome it was a three-day event and I was like wow this is incredible tell, tell me what the what's the point of cutting your own ice why don't you just get ice molds that are already big giant squares okay so um, cocktail ice and this really kind of started in Japan it's super interesting um, like my ice is completely clear and how they how you kind of achieve that and this is what the Climbo ice machine does is any ice that you do in a mold, um, there are impurities in the ice. It doesn't mean that the water is bad or that the ice is bad, but for whatever reason, there's impurities ice that cloud up the water. Um, you'll have bubbles, all this type of stuff. So it's just all presentation. Okay. So this Climbo ice machine, it has a cold plate on the bottom. So all the impurities t typically seem to sit at the top. So we, we put in oscillators to basically keep the water moving constantly. So it moves all the impurities to the top, keeps it clear of bubbles, it freezes from the bottom up, and it's a completely clear iceberg. I mean, you can't, you know, you can see straight through it like glass. It's, it's gorgeous. Um, and then from there, we cut it up into squares, we do spheres, we, we, can, we can do diamonds, we've yet to do it yet, but we do Collins cubes, which are like five inch by an inch and a quarter square. Yeah. Um, we have a bunch of different, you know, I was seeing all these other cocktail bars and whiskey bars do it all over the country and just happened to find a guy that had a, a Climbo ice machine, never had, you know, had any experience working with this ice machine. Basically, it was a super learning process. And I went, I drove to Philadelphia to pick this thing up and bring it back here. Hey, how do you spell Climbo? It's uh, C L I N G. B E L L. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Put that on the website. The three one eight dot com. Yeah. The three one eighty dot com. We're gonna put that on the website. Yeah. So it was really it was really interesting, and so I picked it up, and I just really wanted to completely separate myself, and and 
you know, when what we were doing, I wanted it to be on another level, and, and it's a personal passion of mine, so I, I want it to be as beautiful and, and, and as interesting and as professional as possible. So, and really, I love, you know, now we lease the kitchen with the new current tenants, and we still do it, and it's... Uh, here at Cohab? Yeah, here okay. at Cohab. And I'll so that's where you freeze the blocks, and then you, where do you saw them up? So we saw them up here in Cohab, nice. in the kitchen. And then we have a walk-in freezer, and I bought these, like, um, they're, um, uh, what do you call it? They're like baking pans with a rack. And okay. we stick them on that, and we cover them. And okay. I try to keep a large inventory, because, I mean, some of the stuff we do, like, for catering, too, somebody will call me up and be like, in a week, I need you to yeah. cater a party. We want old fashions, and so we bring, you know, we'll bring a couple hundred blocks, a little piece of ice or whatever. So, if somebody wants to hire you for a catering gig, how do they get a hold of you? Um, just my email, which is my name at Gmail, Chase Boydum at Gmail, or um, they can just come by Fatty Arbuckles. Most people call me at the Fatty Arbuckles number. What's that number? Three one eight four five nine one four four eight. All right. Well, that's that's how to schedule the best cocktail bartender in town at your, at your next event. Yeah. So you you chop up the ice with like a bone saw, yeah. And then you just kind of haul it across the across the Red River District here into your bar and set up for the night on a regular. Yeah, visit. yeah, we do that. Um, you know, having the kitchen here has been like so amazing. Uh, you know, we use it. We store some of our stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, um, we have a lot of glassware for catering and whatnot. Like you know, champagne flutes for weddings and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. So we store that here. We also do a steak night, which we keep all of our steak stuff frozen or and or, you know, cold over here. Mm -hmm. um, That's on Monday nights? On Monday nights. And then, you know, in the, in, um, and, uh, you know, and then of course we store all the ice. But yeah, we just bring it over there. Uh, but, you know, we've been ramping up our inventory expecting to open this new place, which I don't know a timeline on that. But, uh, um, you know, uh, it's a cool process. I mean, one day you have to come by and check it out and see the whole process. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like some photos of it. Yeah, so I'll send us some photos. I will. I will for sure. Well, and if, if the new place comes to fruition, get back on the uh, get back on the three one eighty dot com and uh, and let's talk all about it for sure. Um, so, how long has Fatty's been open here in downtown? Since two thousand three. And how old were you in two thousand three? <laughs> I, mean, I was actually 20. Age. You were 20? <laughs> yeah, I was actually 20. I started working there when I was 20. Um, uh, when did you come into ownership of that? 2005. Okay. I became an owner about 20 days before Katrina. So August 5th, or no, it was about 24 days. It was. I remember it was August 5th, 2005. And... Uh, um, yeah, so I've been there quite some time. And I actually worked there since 2003. About three months after they opened, I started working at Fatty's. And um, been here ever since. Had a mentor that brought me in. Yeah. Uh, Brian Cush, yeah. one of the infamous Cush brothers. Uh, and he brought me in, and I was working for him at the Village for a year and a half, two years before that. And, uh, you know, I bought into Fatty's, and we started doing really well. And then we just opened a slew of places over the next five years. Yeah. Just we had so many ideas and we were able to just have fun with it, you know. That's awesome. What, um, I, I guess I'm just absolutely impressed by the fact that you were at that age and you were willing to buy into a bar and become a, a part owner. Like, how difficult was that? <laughs> it was, it was super interesting and it was super, uh, um, 
you know, I, I had my son in high school, so my son is 20. Yeah. Or he'll be 20 this year. He's 19, actually. But, um, and so I had grown up pretty quick. I was, you know, taking care of him and, you know, paying child support, all that stuff at an age where most people aren't. So I was really serious, and I wanted to get into something permanently anyways. And I was in college and also working for Brian. And, uh, you know, his brother bought out one of their, you know, one of the founding partners at Fatty's. Mm-hmm. And then he, his brother wanted out. So Brian came to me and, you know, he was like, man, I think what you're doing is great. I'd love if you could buy out uh, Joey. And so, you know, of course, I'm like 21, about to be 22, not very much in the bank account. I'm like, well, that would be great. I just don't know how I'd do it. So I go to talk to my parents. And I'm like, well, you know, Brian offered me this opportunity. And I was totally shocked. They were like, well, you need to do it. <laughs> so... Um, they actually helped me and, and like my parents didn't have money they actually got a second mortgage on their house to help me do it and I remember my dad maybe moved back in with him and I had to empty the tip jar into his hand every night to put into the I mean, you know we I paid it off in like four months had had kind of a, a really great honeymoon like great initial success and we were doing some concerts and and we were doing private parties we're doing a lot of fun stuff and so when even a year later we started working on the concept for 211 which was a high-end like at that time would have been a higher-end cocktail lounge. yeah yeah um and uh funny story we wanted to do it here in the Red river district we were going to do it in the old bijou or uh proud mary's 360 and at the time el dorado had just taken over the uh, the the district we talked to them and they kind of gave us the runaround for some time, and it just ended up working out. Well, Brian's family owned 211 Texas, and he was like, well, look, we could just try to do it over there. Well, it the last uh, you know, two or three years previous to this, 211 had burned. It yeah. was like literally not repaired from being on fire, other than the roof was fixed, there was no HVAC. Um, so we were like, uh, that would be great, but it's just going to cost a fortune. Well, his dad was like, look, we want to charge you all rent for like a year. You fix it up, put all the money into it, and make it happen. So, you know, uh, we, we did it, and it was successful for a couple years. And then, you know, I always had a, was a little bitter at El Dorado, but, you know, Within that two years, El Dorado opened Allure, which was almost exactly like the concept we pitched them to do over here, and it was very similar to Tulay. And Allure is inside the casino. It's inside the casino, yeah. and honestly, we we couldn't compete between them and Phoenix. Phoenix had a much larger size, and they were more of a club. And uh, you know, when we in our heyday, uh, people would come by, have some cocktails at Tulay, and then make their way to Phoenix or whatever. Um, and then we really couldn't compete with what celebrity and lawyers happened. I could see the writing on the wall, but we weren't losing money yet. So I was like, look, let's change the concept. We've got the party set up. So we just changed the DBA. We roughed it up a little bit, turned it into a dive bar called The Boot. We closed it down for two months. And it really started off slowly, but you know, a few years later, it really took off. I mean, it went great. We started doing karaoke on Friday and Saturday. And I mean, for a while there, we had a good run. Yeah, um, yeah. The boot was still open as of a few years ago. Absolutely, I think closed in twenty fifteen. I sold out in twenty twelve. Um, I wanted to 
dabble and try to do stir. Yeah. And Joey's other brother, Greg, who just passed away last week, was interested in getting involved in the yeah. boot. So he he bought me out in 2012, and I parlayed that right into stir. Basically. Yeah, I, I, I didn't have cable for about 10 or 12 years after I got out of law school. And uh, I remember driving or walking down when I lived downtown, I'd walk down to the boot to watch Saints games. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if LSU football or Saints were playing, I couldn't watch it at home. So that's where I'd go walk to to drink beer and watch it with a couple of my buddies. Hey, that was a good spot to do it. It was. Too. It was real cool. Well, look, um, as far as I can tell, you were in this game, not just the bar game, but you were in the downtown trying to operate a business game longer than anybody else. Like, I mean, I've rented space downtown. I've rented an apartment downtown. I've never really bought a building and opened up a shop downtown. I've never done half the work that you've done in downtown Shreveport. So, and just getting into the nuts and bolts of it, is sure, you know, what's holding downtown Shreveport back from being more business friendly? Is there anything you're seeing out there that they could do better? Oh, that's a tough question. I mean, I don't. I think that they're they're putting all the right pieces in place okay. to 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 promote a great business environment. Um, and let me give you just a small, quick history. Yeah, and please do. Going back to what I was talking about, two thousand three, two thousand five. We used to distribute back then. It was Mojo's and Blind Tiger were the popular places. Chicago. They used to distribute shirts because there was so much, so so such a terrible problem. with with vagrants mm-hmm. asking for money, we used to carry these shirts that said "I carry no cash" because you would get hit up every five feet. Right. Um, that is really uh, improved. Uh, you're seeing, you know, the buildings being improved. You're seeing what's happened down there with the six two four lofts and all the buildings are being rehabbed. Uh, the new United Mercantile Building that's on the corner of uh, 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 Spring or Market and. What the standards is there? The standard. Yeah, it's, they did a beautiful remodel. Yeah, it's gonna be great. So those are great pieces. I think the biggest problem right now is the one we talked about before we started the park podcast. Is now they need the jobs. Okay. <clears throat> they need the jobs or the foot traffic. Okay. You know they keep building apartments and restaurants, but apartments and restaurants facilitate people. You know, fit. You know, facilitate areas where there are already people. You know, um, so. I think the focus needs to shift on that, and uh, um, not that there aren't people already working on that. It's just that we get small victories um, when it would be great if we had, you know, anything that brought hundreds or even thousands of people. We've got the space. There's plenty of empty buildings, and I think that's what we need to focus on. And the casinos are still bringing people to downtown Shreveport, but they, for the most part, park their car and stay at the casino. Is that, is that, they're, they're that, bring, that's they're, what I've heard. They're bringing people, but to, you know, our casino business in North Louisiana is down majorly. Yeah. Uh, we're competing now with Oklahoma. Yeah, Windstar. Windstar and all yeah. that. Windstar, supposedly, they advertise as the biggest casino in the world. Um, and they're only, you know, within an hour of Dallas. Yeah. And Dallas has a ton of money. At one time, our success was a lot of those people coming over. Yeah. I think we still get a lot of regional kind of Arkansas, East Texas, and that, but it's not the same clientele, and our numbers are dipping yeah. majorly. So you're seeing you're seeing the loss of that. I mean, you're seeing the loss of uh, you know GM being gone. Yeah. Uh, AT&T being yeah, gone. That's right. At one time we had IBM jobs. Yeah. You're seeing all these losses. We really need somebody to step up and fill those spots. Um, 
do you think the has the casino business been down and you've noticed it in your bar or you just know the stats? I've seen the stats as well. Oh yeah, certainly. And then also with tourism, you know, yeah. I, a large percentage. I'm like, you know, I joke with people when I'm out of town. I'm basically connected to a casino. That's I'm, right. I'm uh, in the parking garage of El Dorado. Right. So you could walk off the boat and just be like, oh, what is this? And run into me, basically, um, which I love. Uh, so we get a lot of out-of-town people because, you know, I know the boats don't want people to leave, but people get sick of it and they want to go <laughs> have a drink or have some food. And that's the reason why I'm, I don't understand why the, the casino doesn't want uh, more commerce in the River District anyways. It, it seems when they owned it, they were just fine with it being paved over. But, like, you know, the boardwalk helps Horseshoe. Right. Just like if they had a thriving Red River District, it would really help El Dorado. I used to do concerts down here. And I can tell you, when you get a bunch of drunk people, they walk over and go play dice or That's right. cards or whatever. So, um, What's still vacant in the Red River District? Well, it's hard to say at this point. I, I got mean, you. I know, you know... Nick, uh, Nicky's is still open. Nicky's is still open. Cohab's right here. Cohab, fully stacked, and myself. Um, I see people going in and out of uh, Art Tipsy, but it's like two days a month, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, coffee shop? The coffee shop's like going through some sort of transition. Gotcha. Where they're... I heard they're putting in a vent hood or something else like that. And then um, Proud Mary's, it was just in the paper, they're in the process of being evicted. They have like okay. 70 days right. or something. Well, what would, what would work? What businesses would work in downtown Shreveport? Like right now, given the fact that there what, are apartments going ju- what would What would work in just right here? What, what would you like to see here? Because you're already running about four businesses. On, you know, your business, Cohab, facilitates... You get giving you the ability to do a bunch of things that maybe you couldn't do if they weren't here. So, I mean, maybe that's the idea: is go, hey, Cohab's here. Like you can you can start here, and then you can literally go right across the street to, you know, a space. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give you a great example of what I think is the problem in the River District, and and at some point I'm going to be going over to the City Council and kind of picking this fight really soon. Uh, <laughs> I like that. And, and it's it's not necessarily a fight. I think that they just are in the dark about it. And even the mayor, who, who yeah. I'm friends with, uh, he, he invited me to be on the future of Shreveport, uh, yeah. which we, we haven't gotten the report yet. What we do, we spend a lot of time talking about River Industry. But over the past several years since the city have taken, taken over, there, there are no more bars allowed. And we've seen a scenario where we've turned away what I think are great, could be great partners in in the Red River District uh, because they're bars, okay. which is silly. This is not a family area. This is not built to be a family area. Yeah. Um, if you talk to Jeff Everson, if you talk to anybody that's been involved in this area, Liz, nobody thinks that it should be. It's right. not It's not going to be cotton candy and that sort I mean, of thing. I mean, Commerce Street back in like the 90s, you know, strip clubs and bars or the 80s right. probably. But I, that, I'm in no way suggesting we should have strip clubs. No, no, no. Right? I'm, yeah. I'm just saying it's, uh, this particular area right. of downtown Shreveport has never been the... No. You don't go here to buy a fancy suit. Well, you go to Silver Brothers. We're nestled, we're, not, we're nestled in between two casinos yeah. and a strip club. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, on the same block as a strip club. Uh, and... To, to think that we're going to do that. No, it's not saying that, like, look, at the Revel, there are people that take their kids to ride rides, and then at night they have drinks. Yeah. And there are drink people there. I think that it, it should resemble more of that. But we've turned away, like, for instance, uh, Quinn Eccles, uh, 
who's a, a great guy, he just opened a Laugh Out Loud comedy store. He wanted to open it in the River District. They were turned away because there was no food concept. And now... At a, I, com- at a comedy club? Comedy stand club. Up now, club. Now, yeah, stand-up club. Now he's down on the end of commerce. Yeah. And I'm driving by, and there's cars like crazy. Now, they just opened. Yeah. But I would love to have them next to me. I, at one time, we used to have the Funny Bone, which is right next door to Fatty's. That was a time that was great because the Funny Bone was such a great tenant. Yeah. Because there were two different shows a night. Okay? And so what they would do is they wouldn't open the doors but before 15 minutes before the show. So what would people do? They would come down. They would eat dinner at the different venues in the River District. They would come down and have a drink with me before and after Yeah. because they're stuck there. They used to do a night where they would do a service industry night. Okay. And they would invite all the bartenders, and you could see the show for free. Mm-hmm. Drinks were dirt cheap. Well, they would funnel out right next to us. When you have an event-style business, whether it be music or comedy, you draw people in for that event, and then they funnel out into all the other businesses. They eat, they drink, you know, they buy knickknacks from yeah. a, a retail store, yeah. all that stuff. And so, so now he, he's open, and he's you know he's not too far away from you, but it's not the same as being right next door. Absolutely. And there's parking right out front of his place, so you can get back to your car quicker than you can get back to Fatty's. Absolutely. And he's not the only one. I know I'm friends with Russ Brabham. He wanted to do a little listening room. Yeah. At okay. one point, right. uh, similar to what they do at the Fairfield, uh, the Fairfield Clint, Studios. Clint's place. Yeah. Yeah. Similar to what they do there, but they wanted to do it nightly. Yeah. They told him no because there was it was alcohol only. This is a problem. These yeah. are these are the type of businesses we want next to us. Yeah. And I'm not throwing stones because I I can tell you every other every other decision they've made in the River District has been in, of an insane improvement. Okay. Having cohab here, yeah. as you mentioned. The place is cleaner. The place is more secure than it ever has been. We have police that are over here. So, you know, this is the only mistake. This is a, a mistake we can we can fix, and it's and it's not something that freaks me out because uh, my business personally is up. I'll so, here. Yeah, but I, I, I'm. I didn't mean to go cut you off. No. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. All right, I told you I'd keep you here for 30 minutes, mm-hmm. and I'm going to, as, as a lawyer, I'm a man of my word, believe it or not. But I've got a few rapid-fire questions that I want to go through with you, and I, and I do want to do a round two of this, because, I mean, I think you and I could talk about this stuff for hours. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I want to keep the podcast as positive as possible, even though I'm, we're, we're going to broach all the problems, but I'd like to keep solutions in mind as well. So name two things two things that Shreveport has going for it, like that you think is it's a standout city because of? Um, two things it has going for us. I mean, one of the things that I think is, it, that I think that people do not realize about Shreveport is that there are an insane amount of things to do for such a small town. I agree with I you. I mean... There's too much to do on this weekend. It's, it's great. I mean, you take, compare sizes of towns to us, and all the different festivals we have and the stuff that Grant and Matt Snyder do yeah. and, you know, stuff that Shrek does. And you can just keep going. I mean, people complain, but anybody that complains, I laugh in their face because it's all the stuff that I do. Yeah. Some concerts, food, whiskey tastings. I mean, you, you could almost find something to do every week. We just had Flotilla. Yeah. You know, um, there's a lot of 
a really fun, amazing things to do. All you have to do is Kallenberg's just... doing a, a music deal tonight down on Market Street. I love it. Yeah, I love it's it. I can't wait. Music prize. Yeah, I'm gonna I'll go there. there, and I can't wait to check out what they've done to that little space and figure out what the frequency is of the stuff they're going to be doing. Thomas has the inside track on that. He probably already knows. That's another person I wish that was down here. Yeah, doing their music. Yeah, absolutely. instead of in a you know garage or whatever. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, so I think that's a, a huge asset. I agree. With you. There's, there's tons of stuff every month going on, from you know high end fancy parties down to like five dollar music bars. You know, Absolutely. Like, so I, I agree with you there. Anything else that you think Shreveport just really needs to market itself better about how great we are? I mean, Shreveport's a friendly town. It I think that's the you know there is a lot of great people. I mean. I've never lived outside of Shreveport, uh, mainly because I've had yeah raise a raise a kid here. Um, but there are some great people. I mean, lifelong friends I've had here, and I think that you know people people that you wouldn't think would like Shreveport that I've known come here and go, God, I love it because they make friends so fast and they have a good time. And then next thing you know, they're bragging about Shreveport. That's awesome. Yeah, and I, and I, and I see the same thing. I see a lot of people that are. You know, it exceeds their expectations every time. All right, real quick, two problems that Shreveport needs to tackle first and foremost as we move forward. Well, number one problem I think is we need more jobs. Okay. We need more jobs and we need better jobs. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, that's clearly a huge issue for us. I mean, I just mentioned to you not long ago all the people, all the jobs that we've lost sure, sure. those big companies. And nobody's really stepped in. I mean, you could look now, the largest employer in Shreveport is the city of Shreveport. Yeah. Um, we need, and, and you know, it doesn't mean that that's necessarily a bad thing, but we need to, we need to have some people step in and, and create some jobs. I mean, even losing the film industry, I mean, how many people did you and I know? Uh, yeah. That, that came, through, yeah that's right. came through here, we made friends with them, yeah. and now they're gone, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's a big problem. Um, well, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at the job. That's a huge problem. That counts as at least two. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to explore. We'll, we'll, we'll meet up again here in the next few months. We'll talk about some different solutions just to the job. So just kick around ideas. Maybe invite a third person in here to just, just brainstorm about some ideas and, and put that up on the podcast. Here's your, here's your rapid fire. Magic pill for our town. If, there's, if money's not an issue... Is there any one thing Shreveport could do right now to improve downtown? If, if we had all the money in the world, what's one thing you would do? I think you just need to court anybody that's going to, you know, bring jobs. You tax incentive, tax yeah, money, whatever you, have, you have to court people who are going to come and bring jobs and, and create commerce in downtown. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Um, and, I, and the reason I focus on downtown is I think that we, we start with the core and then work our way out. And I think we need to work on the core. So number two. We have a gorgeous downtown. I think it's beautiful. We, yeah. It's awesome. Uh, if you could send a text message to everybody in Shreveport, what would it say? Oh, that's a tough everybody one. gets your text message and they know it came from Chase They don't have to know it came from Chase Boyden, but what would it say? Oh, gosh. That's a difficult one. I don't know. Probably come by and have a drink at Fatty's. Yeah, I like it. Come <laughs> by and have a drink at Fatty's. Yeah. All right. Um, what, uh, who's my next podcast guest? Uh, talking about downtown. Yeah, if we're going to keep talking about downtown and improving Shreveport, who, who do I need in here next? I like the idea of having Liz. I like the idea of having Jim. Jim Jim's about to, you know, he's talking about 
putting his own money up and, and doing a project down here. Jim is, he's actually out there doing things. In fact, he was supposed yeah. to be my first podcast guest, but I like you a lot more than Jim. So <laughs> I, he, uh, he had some other plans this morning, but uh, he'll be on here very shortly, uh, hopefully next week or the week after. I, You know, and the other side, I mean, if you wanted to get somebody similar to my scenario, I mean, Tim Huck's been down here a long time. Tim Huck, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, he's, and he's very vocal about what he'd like to see happen. I'd like, I mean, and I like a capitalist savior for Shreveport more <laughs> yeah. than more than the next. And I don't have a problem with a nonprofit. I don't have a problem with a government entity. But I think Shreveport solutions are going to come from the private sector. And how do we get the private sector more involved in downtown? That, I, I couldn't agree more. And that's the reason I say quarter company yeah. rather than us. You know, I mean, here's the other problem, and I won't take too long with this. Shreveport has ADD when it comes <laughs> to any project. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. They'll build, you know, they constantly keep building something. It's like, wait, let somebody else do it. Yeah. You know, we've got the Common now. We've got Festival Plaza, and we've got the Riverfront with the big roses, and we've got, you know, we've got the Red River District, and now they're talking about something else, yeah. about the uh, um, Cross Bayou. And yeah. it's just like, wait, you already have tons of properties. Let's focus on those properties. Why are we building something else? And it's just like... I just feel like the next person has to put their name on the plaque in the yeah. front, and that's their con- contribution when, you know, it's not really helping anything. I gotcha. Well, um, man, I appreciate you being here. Uh, end on a positive note. What's, um, you got anything on your bookshelf or anything in your movie player right now that you'd like to tell folks about? On the bookshelf. What are you reading? Oh, man, I'm reading a ton of stuff about cocktail bars. Okay. Uh, What's a good cocktail book for everybody to go get? There is a great book by Death and Company that's called uh, Cocktail Codex. I pretty much have all their books. I just received that book as a wedding gift. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. And it's well, I've started a little library at Fatty's because I've been telling my employees that I'm going to lean on them if I open this other yeah, bar. Sure. And, you know, they've really impressed me with the amount that they've learned. But I've started a little library for them. And I'm like, if you ever have some downtime, just read the books. So That's awesome. Yeah, so... Uh, that's kind of what I'm really dorking out on right now. Well, cool. Um, anything else for the 3180? I just really appreciate you having me in. Now, I appreciate you. you being here. Thank you for operating a business downtown. Thank you for employing people. Thank you for paying your taxes and, and <laughs> impro- you know improving downtown one drink at a time. Yeah. So I appreciate you being here. Thank you, Chase Boydham. And uh, thank you, Fatty Arbuckles. Everybody come down and have a drink. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. <laughs>